0: It's Kim. This episode may be one of our most important so far. Maria Brophy. She's a CEO, an author, and a mentor, and an art business consultant. Well she'll tell you all that anyway. And is also a wife, shares with us, oh and a mother shares with us how important it is for artists to earn an income from their art, if that's what they want to do. Maria asks me at one point what I'd like my life to look like. I wasn't expecting the question, so I may sound vague. I've not given myself permission in the past to think about it. However, things are slowly starting to change for me, so I felt it important to leave this section of the chat in. Perhaps it might allow you to ask yourself the same question. Hi, Art Supply Posse. Thank you again for taking the time out to listen to us today. I'm really excited uh, by the interview I've got coming up with uh, Maria Brophy. She is, um, well, I'll I'll actually let her tell you who she is and what she does, but I think what she does is incredibly important to all artists, uh, whether you want to be a full-time artist or even just a part-time artist. I think Maria's work is really, really important to every artist out there. So, Maria, thank you so much for taking time out today uh, from your busy schedule. Could you briefly tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what it is that you do?
1: Sure. So, okay. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. I am an art business consultant, and I also have a gallery in San Clemente, I work with my husband, who is an artist, and that's how I got into the art business over 18 years ago. And um, I write books about how to make money and how to make a living as an artist. And I really like to focus my my blog and my teachings, my books, and my consulting on the actual nuts and bolts, the actual things, the strategies that you need to do to increase which your is income vital. As an artist
0: <laughs> for everybody
1: well it is it is and every time an artist sets up a consultation with me I send them a list of questions and one of my questions is name the top three goals you have for your art business And 98% of the time, the first thing they list is either to make a full time living with my art, or to increase my income Mm -hmm. with my art sales. And that is always what people want to focus on, because that is the thing that creative people have the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge.
0: So, yeah. so what would you do let's say someone someone has reached out to you and they've they, they know they need help but they're not quite sure so let's say someone has reached out they've engaged you uh, to, to con- consult with them you know to, to mentor with them but when you ask them that that question about you know what are your top three goals do you ever get artists that that aren't quite sure really what they want they know like they know they love making their art but beyond that, do, do people always know how to answer that that, that question? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I, a lot of yeah. times people don't know what they want. If you don't know what you want, how <laughs> are you going to get it? And, and that might sound like a no-brainer, but so many of us are like that with different parts of our, different areas of our lives. I have a family member who. Want so badly to meet a, com- a man she could eventually marry. And when I ask her, well, yeah. what do you want in a guy? <laughs> she cannot answer that question. And it's very interesting to me. And she'll say, well, I don't <laughs> want a guy that smokes. And I don't want a guy. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. I don't want to know what you don't mm. want. Tell me what you do want. Well, I don't want a guy that's going to do this or that. And I said, okay, so we still don't really know what you want. Um, and it's like that with art. It's like that um, with your, you know, you could call it an art career. You could call it an art business, but your life as an artist, what is that that you want? Um, and if you don't know what you want, you can figure it out that you don't feel despair when you're listening to me talk about this because it everything can be figured out it's kind of like um just going through a process of taking the time to really think about it and uh because deep down inside you do know what you want you uh if you if you think you don't know what you want the answers are there but they've been buried beneath a bunch of stuff that's been heaped on you your whole life from other people, things that people will say that, oh, you can't make money as an artist, or that's a waste of time, or that's just a hobby. It's not important. You know, all these things that discourage us at a very young age or a a well-meaning family member will say, well, what in the world do you think you're going to do with art? You know, uh, mocking you. And this is something that happens to a lot of people. And so the things that we want kind of get hidden because we're discouraged. And I like to encourage people to step away from the rest of the world for a little while and go inward and really think about what you want and what's important to you and write it down and start focusing on that I think it's um
0: I think it is common you're right and it's 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 as someone who's actually experienced that myself it's incredibly hard to step away from the what you've been told you know essentially your whole life but I think it's really important if you can at least try to do that and would you agree that you might not come to that straight away like you might not sit there with your book and 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 pen and paper and you know within five minutes have have an answer to that it might be it might take you all day to come to it and that's okay like would you agree that it's not you don't might not necessarily access that immediately but don't feel panicked by it yes
1: yeah it can take time to fine-tune what you're writing down but i i i think there that Mm -hmm. the answers will come quicker than you think if you take the time to go to a quiet place, wherever that is for you, a quiet place where you won't be disturbed, you leave all your electronics behind, um, you have a piece of paper and a pen, and you sit down and you just start asking yourself questions. And you st- and if you don't have the answer, let's say the question is, what do I want to be known for with regards to my art? What would I like people to th- to think of when they think of me and my art? Um, You might not have an answer to that, but if you have a pen in your Mm -hmm. hand, you just start writing, just start writing, just start writing stuff down. The first thing that pops into your head and through that process of writing, when your hand starts moving on that paper, more clarity, more information, more answers will flow through you, but you have to do it. You have to, you have to give it a chance to 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 mm, see how definitely. well that
0: works. So, I know speaking to 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 people that are artists, I know sometimes what will come up is, "Oh, I feel I feel funny about charging people for my art or or charging what they consider too much for their art, which which really seems crazy when you stop to think about some paintings, or you know, not necessarily paintings, artwork can take hours, you know, hours and hours of time to produce this beautiful piece of artwork, and then someone thinks, oh, I can't really charge them what it should cost, you know, what what I should. How how do you help people get over that fear of actually charging their art for what it's actually worth, not underselling themselves?
1: yeah that's a very common thing to undersell ourselves. We all do it um you know it if you're someone who really is very uncomfortable with selling your art, you know there's different degrees of discomfort right Some people are at the from a s on a scale of, of one to ten with ten being the worst. And one, being able to sell anything and not think twice about it. If you're high up on the scale, if this is really, really, really hard for you and you have, you know, you're willing to learn how to sell your work and learn how to price it properly. I think the best way to get through that is to take, take steps, take baby steps. I wouldn't say, okay, right off the bat, start charging $10,000 for your paintings because you're, you're gonna be f- frozen in fear over that. for one thing and for another thing, the market might not be ready to pay that much for your work if you don't have a name for yourself if you haven't. and of course, the quality has to be there and the value has to be there. Um, so you you work your way into it. but it, if you're just starting out pricing your work, um, I would recommend, Looking at what other artists are charging for similar type work, similar style um, in your area, because geographic areas, different geographic areas can Mm -hmm. get more or less, you know, things cost different in different parts of the world, different parts of the country you're in. So see what other artists are selling where they're successfully selling work that's somewhat similar to yours as in the same, uh, medium sizes, maybe theme and, uh, quality of Mm -hmm. execution, you know, like, uh, what you're painting at the age of 40 is going to be very different from what you were painting when you were 18. It's going to be much, um, more refined. And so you'll be able to get more for it. Um, And I would say, look at, look at what other artists are selling and sort of come up with a base price for your work. And if you have a, if you can create a um, um, metric for how to charge for your work. So here in the U.S., we use inches, right? So we charge, so for my husband's artwork, we have like a per square inch price, and I, have a, I actually have a spreadsheet because as the painting gets larger, the per square inch price yeah. goes down a little bit because um, otherwise the um, pricing yeah. would get really crazy. I, and in my book, Art Money Success, I give a lot of detail on how you can come up with per square inch pricing and or per centimeter mm-hmm. centimeter pricing, depending on yeah. where you are. But coming up with a structured pricing schedule helps. And in the beginning, when you're first starting out, come up with something that you feel comfortable with and that you believe in. And once you start selling your work and you realize that, okay, this pricing is good, people are are spending the money, but it's still not enough, I need to raise the price. So you, you just keep raising your prices until you get to a place where you're yeah. charging the right amount.
0: And and to me, that actually sounds like the perfect way to do it because once once you've decided on that price, and obviously, as you say, you, you look at it over time and, and increase it as is needed, but, you know, if I was to hire a plumber or, or, or something like that, or, you know, a trade of any description, they will have a – at the very least a base hourly rate or 30 minute rate or whatever the case may be and and of course materials on top of that but it's so it it makes sense to look at it the way you've done it you know you go well here's this per inch or per centimeter price and I know I can use that to then work out the the big picture for that final cost and that, that actually makes perfect sense to me and I, I don't know why people haven't done this before or maybe they do and it's just I hadn't heard of it prior to, you know, just speaking to you and reading your book but it just makes perfect sense when you, when you look at it.
1: Well, it, it makes it so much easier and here's an even simpler way to do it is if you um, have three main sizes that you paint. So I'll give you an example. My husband does a lot of surf art. He paints surf. Mm -hmm. Inspired paintings. And they're really like these bright, colorful illustrations of big waves and sunshine and little beach shacks. And there are three main sizes that people commission again and again and again. And these are in inches 18 by 24, 24 by 36, and 36 Mm -hmm. by 48. Well, so we have a set price for those three sizes 18 by 24 inches is um, $1,800, 24 by 36 is, I'm trying to remember, I don't have it in front of me, $2,400, 36 by 48 is like Mm -hmm. $3,600. And then we add taxes and shipping to that and we don't frame it. So what they get is a painting and we drew paints the sides of the painting so that they don't even have to get it framed they just hang it right on the wall so those are set prices. And what's great about having a set price is then you can answer the most commonly <laughs> asked question yeah. of artists. And that is how much would it cost for you to paint me yes. one of those? And what most artists do when they're not prepared, they say, uh, oh, I, I don't know. Or they give a really cheap price or they're not even thinking about it or they don't answer the question yes. at all. So they lose the sale because they're yes. not prepared. But if you, so, but if you're prepared, if you get that question, you say, well, um, I have three sizes that I mostly work with, and you can choose the side size, and 18 by 24 would be $1,800, 24 by 36 would be $2,600, and a 36 by 48 is $3,600. Yeah. So then it just rolls yeah. right off your tongue. And then if they say, well, gosh, I really wanted a different size. Can you do something smaller? Well, then you say, yes, I can do something smaller. Um, how about, you know, a 16 by 20 for $900? You know, you just, but it having those numbers pre-figured out before you get asked the question takes a lot of the
0: pressure Seriously. off of you. Yeah. In the moment. And, and you would come across as being more uh, confident about selling your art which even if deep down you're not yet particularly you know if you've just started out and for charging at least it sounds like on the surface that you're confident and I think that confidence probably helps a lot when you're selling things I know I've been at exhibitions and things and you know I've, I've gone to ask a price and and the artist hasn't been particularly confident and I've sort of thought well I don't know if I really want to buy this, you know, which probably is crazy. But it's just you get that feeling. They they have that feeling about them that they're not confident even selling their work. So I'm kind of not confident buying it. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely makes sense. And I think about that a lot because you think about, you know, how people always talk about good vibes, right? That person puts out good vibes or that person has great energy or that person has dark energy. You know, however you're feeling when it's a really strong feeling, whether it's good or it's dark and depressed or it's nervous and a lack of confidence, the person you're talking to is going to pick up on those vibes. And I think by coming up with pricing and being prepared for that conversation makes you feel more confident. Yeah. So just being prepared gives you confidence. It's like public speaking. You know, everybody or a lot of people say, "Oh my gosh, I hate public speaking." And I'm one of those people that always hated it. But I wanted to get better at it, and I joined Toastmasters, where they it's a club that teaches you how to do mm-hmm. public speaking mm-hmm. properly. And one of the biggest things they teach is practice. Be prepared. So even if you're nervous, when you walk up on that stage, you are prepared. So you're going to feel more confident than if you just tried to wing it. If you wing it, you're going (laughs) to blow it. Um, So I think that applies to everything. And you can even practice it. You can say, okay, I am going to practice talking about money because money makes me uncomfortable, especially when it has to do with my art. So I'm Mm going to practice it. It, you know, in front of a mirror, in the privacy of my bathroom or my bedroom, so nobody can laugh at me. And I'm going to have a, a practice conversation with someone about the cost of my art, the price of my art. And I'm going to practice selling it to myself in the mirror. And I really believe that that will help people who are mm. new at this. Yeah,
0: definitely. It gives you that that sense of at least knowing something anyway and, and having a bit of a bit of experience with it so so let's say we've um, you know we I know we're flying through this but we've we've come up with what we want from you know our goals for our art business and and we're getting confidence we've, we've priced things how does one go about getting their work known to people in in front of people
1: there are- lot of ways to do it and of course I'm not even going to talk about online because everybody yeah, can figure yeah. that out on their own um I, the one thing I'll say about online when you look at what other artists are doing how they are getting their work out on say Instagram or Pinterest the really the ones that are very successful and have a lot of followers look at how they're doing it and sort of model yourself after them um if, if it resonates with your personality, because there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a lot of different ways to show your work and get people excited about it online. Um, offline is really, I think, where the gold is the, 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 the biggest, uh, the greatest results you will get is if you can get yourself involved in art shows. And in the beginning, if you've never done an art exhibit before, do a group art exhibit, find a way to do it. And it doesn't, it it could be with a gallery, but it doesn't have to be a gallery. There are a lot of organizations out there that are putting together group art shows. And sometimes you have to pay a little bit. I don't recommend paying hundreds or thousands Mm -hmm. to be a part of it. Um, There are there's one called Raw Artists RAW artists and I don't know if they're global. I know they're all over the US. It's an organization that gets uh, travels around and goes from city to city and they have artists and the uh, exhibit and it's sort of like a evening party type event but you're exhibiting your work. Um, it's a great way to learn how to, do an art exhibit to get a little practice. Um, and get, And what I mean by practice is it actually takes time to get good at mm-hmm. exhibiting your work. And um, the things that you will learn with practice are how to talk to people. That's really important. How to make people feel good when they're looking at your art. It's not their job to make you feel good. It's your job to make mm-hmm. them feel good by welcoming them, answering their questions and making them feel comfortable in your space. It's like having a guest in your home. Um, the other thing that you learn to do well with practice is how to properly display your work. And in- included in that is if you have one giant wall or a booth to display your work. You should have one really big piece that's like a magnet to pull people in and then smaller pieces that are priced lower because they're smaller and they're probably going to be mm-hmm. the ones that are going to sell. Um, but, you know, just learning how to properly display, display your work. And then... With the feedback you get from people at live events, you're going to learn what people like, what they don't like. You're going to fine tune your offering. You might change the materials you use. You might change the type of canvas you use, the uh, change the themes you create with. Um, you know, as you get more information and feedback on your work, you might, you're going to make changes Mm -hmm. based on that little, little changes, but changes that can make a difference. You might find out that you might create paintings on little 10 inch by 10 inch wooden panels, um, and a lot of other sizes. And you find that that one size sells more than anything. So when you do your exhibit again, you will make sure you have more of that size. You know, that's just an example, but, um, Another thing you could do is if you have a lot of friends that are artists, get together and create your own exhibit. Rent a space or get a company or an organization to host an exhibit for you. But really get out and do live Mm -hmm. events. There there are so many different ways to do it and it doesn't have to be through a gallery.
0: Yeah, I think that's a um, particularly getting together with artists other artist friends is a good idea when you're starting out and because i guess it also allows you that comfort of their friends so you're with people that you know and you you know hopefully you feel good around them so that helps get over that you know some of that that nervousness that you're going to have um when you start ex- exhibiting exhibiting your work definitely yes and i would also say
1: um just one last thing on that uh, I'm talking about, you know, all the advice I've given so far is is for people just Mm. starting out. But I would say that if you are truly serious about making a full-time living with your art, which you don't have to be, there's nothing wrong with doing it part-time or as a hobby, but if you want to make a full-time living with your art, get to a point where you are surrounding yourself with other people who are making a full-time living with their art. This is really important because if, you're, if you want to be a full-time artist and you're spending time with people who don't or who say they do, but they're mm-hmm. not doing the work, they are going to influence you and impact you negatively, not on purpose, but it's sort of like, you know, that saying you become the sum total of five people you mm-hmm. surround yourself with. Yeah. It's like that. If you're surrounding yourself with successful people who are doing what it is that you dream of doing, they are going to influence you in a positive way, and so um, that's really important. And and you'll learn yes. from them.
0: Yeah, it was it was just like what you were saying before about, um, uh, you know, if you if you're around these people that are positive and, and then, you know, right at the start when you're beginning to surround yourself with those people, you might not feel quite as confident but you will start to feel it even if you're faking it because they're there and they're giving off these good vibes and, and this positive, positive air about them and it's it's like it's, um, it's catching, you know, when you're, you, you know that in any situation when you're around people that are happy or friendly or, or or whatnot you get to feel that way too even if maybe deep deep down you still don't feel quite that but you 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 pull in their vibe it it just um it's it's like an infection but it's a good infection (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) which is a funny way of looking at it but that's that's where I come at (laughs) I have not had enough coffee apparently (laughs) um so so other than i mean we've we're talking um exhibiting our work are there other ways people can sell their work and i'm staying offline here i'm I'm not thinking online at all are there other ways people can get themselves known other than just uh, aside from um exhibiting their work only
1: yeah you so um for every person the the path Mm -hmm. is different but one of the most effective ways ways to get a quantum leap exposure to people is by teaming up with a company that's much bigger than you, that has an audience or a membership that would be very much in alignment with your Mm -hmm. art. So for example, if you are a wildlife photographer and you travel around the world and you are photographing wildlife that's about to go extinct, that's in danger of extinction. And this is something that you're really passionate about. And you want to you really want to save mm-hmm. these animals. Um, you are the perfect match for a wildlife mm-hmm. charity or organization, any kind of organization that cares about the same thing you do and that organization if it's a very large one it might have a million people on its mailing list it might have a half a million subscribers to its you know program or its uh, you know they or donors or whatever and you could team up with them you this is where you get creative you think okay how can i team up with this organization and you know in the case of a wildlife photographer you might contact them and say, "Hey, this is what I do." And I'm very passionate about the same things that your company is passionate about. I would love to team up. I have a few ideas. Maybe I could um, offer prints of the you know, endangered species of the month. And this could go to you, you know, maybe a winner, one of your one of your subscribers or one of your donors. Um, and in exchange for me gifting this winner every month, a new winner every month, you you could spread the word um, to your through your newsletter list with links to my website. You know there are ways to team up with organizations where in in one month you could go from nobody knowing who you are to a million people knowing yeah. who you are. You've just got to get creative. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and what you're doing doesn't even have to be as important as saving a species. I mean, I use that as an example, but it could be, um, you know, something that makes people yeah. laugh. You could team up with a comedian. You could team up with a comedy club. You could, you know, you just have to sit down and think what organization out there is, is in alignment with what I do, where we have similar, we have a similar mission, goal, or message, yeah. and then you start forming a relationship with them by contacting them and saying, "Hey, we'd love to collaborate on something," and you get creative with it.
0: And I guess it could e- even be, you know, you might paint, you might paint uh, river scenes, or, or uh, you know, you might have a passion for, for for sketching architecture or something. And I guess you could always. Look at fellow, you know, are they clubs, organizations, other groups that like these same things? Because rarely do we, we're the only one that likes something we might sometimes think we are, but there's generally a huge audience out there. You've just got to work out who that audience is and how you can find them.
1: Yeah. So there's a good example there's an artist named Jeremy Collins who, oh my gosh, I love his work. He does drawings of wildlife and national parks and so forth. He's teamed up with a shoe company called Keen Footwear. And Keen Footwear is an outdoor adventure shoe company. So I get all my hiking shoes from Keen and a lot of my snow shoes and snow boots. They make really good outdoor adventure type shoes, footwear. So Jeremy Collins teamed up with them many years ago and they started out, I think he was just sponsored by them, but now he's doing all kinds of projects with them. Um, And he's providing a benefit to them. He's giving them something authentic to show to people that they're not just about making shoes and selling shoes. They're about more than that. And they give to him, um, they expose him to their massive audience. So it's really, um, it's really not that hard to do if you form a relationship with a company. Mm-hmm. We did something really simple many years ago with Surfrider Foundation, because my husband is an artist and he's a surf surfer. And most of his paintings have to do with surfing. We teamed up with Surfrider and Surfrider has I don't know how many members in the world, but probably well over a million, mm-hmm. and. This was, this was 10 years ago or so when people still sent out Christmas cards through the mail. (laughs) Um, And Surfrider sent Christmas cards to all of their VIP members who are people who donate more than, I don't know how much, like 5,000 or 10,000 a year. So these were people that donated a lot of money and They sent Christmas cards out. Well, one year we let them use Drew's art on their Christmas card and we gave them free use of it in exchange for them um, printing Drew's name and website on the back of the card with, you know, like a little message on the back artwork by Drew Brophy, you know, visit Mm drewbrophy.com. And um, it was really good for them because it gave them something really awesome to put on their Christmas card. It was great for us because it exposed to Drew to a ton of people who never knew about his art before. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um. So if we were when we sort of started, we were talking about people new to to becoming an artist, uh, you know, for their career. But if someone's Someone's been plugging away in their art for for years, but haven't really, you know, gotten serious about about earning an income from it. Can they too, you know? Can they bring in all of these um these different things from your book and 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 turn it around as well?
1: Absolutely,
0: yes. Um, in my book,
1: I I <laughs> originally my book was six hundred pages. I had to cut it down to six. 300, almost 350 pages. And I wanted to keep adding to it, but it was just getting out of control. There's so much (laughs) I tried to cram in there, but but it really is a great guide for the beginning artist um, or somebody who's been doing this for a long time because we can always use improvement. um, And the answers to the questions we're asking, they do change over time. What you wanted 10 years ago, if you achieved all that, You're going to want something new and you're going to need help figuring out what that is if you don't know. And that, that's the thing that, uh, the thing that comes along with achieving your goals. When you, when you have goals and you do finally reach them, you go, okay, what Mm. now? And I've found myself in that situation a few times. Um, well, every few years that really happens Mm to me and my husband drew and. Sometimes we sit around and we go, well, gosh, what do we want now? I don't know, but we need to come up with something. Yeah. You know, we need, because we always want something to work towards. Because if you're not growing, guess what? You're, you're dying. Yes. You're either growing or you're dying. Yeah. There's really yeah. no in between. So I always want to be reaching for something else, creating something new. Otherwise, you know, life just gets stagnant, mm. especially when you're a creative person. You can't stop creating. No, you
0: can't help yourself. Yeah. And I think the other thing too that's that's important is you, you will achieve your goals, but the other thing is other parts of your life might change. Like you might suddenly, you might have a child or you might get married or you might get divorced or, or any number of other things. Uh, you know that a part of your life as well could change which then might require you to sit down and revisit these questions and go okay this is my life now now where do i want to take it i think that's that's something that's important as well yes
1: um yeah things are always changing or your kids grow up and suddenly you have all this extra time and you're like whoa what do i do <laughs> now um which i'm going to be in that position in about a mm. year and- Ooh even though I'm not looking forward to my kids going off to college, you know, I'm not looking forward to them not being here because I love having them around, but I am looking forward to having a lot of time, a lot more time. And so in my book, in the second chapter, decide what you want. I have, you know, a series of questions and, and those questions are what help us get clarity. And I ask myself these questions at least once a year um, because sometimes I forget, I, I lose clarity. You know, you get so caught up in the day-to-day stuff, you you forget what it is that, you're, that you should stay focused on. And um, that's why, you know, I like to revisit this chapter in particular, the Artist Clarity Worksheet that's in the back of the chapter. And one of the questions, and I would, uh, one of the questions is, what does overall success look like to me? And how will I know when I've become successful? Everybody should write this question down and give it some Mm -hmm. thought and answer it. How will you know when you're successful? What will that look like? Part of that might be money, but there's more to it than that. Well, you know, for for me, because I like to write, my goal is to have 10 printed books on the market Mm -hmm. um, within the next six years. That's my goal. Um, So for now, that's what success looks like to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as soon as I write those books and I get them on the market, that's going to change. Like there's going to be something new. Um, and three years ago, there was a different answer to that yeah, question. Yeah. It was a dollar amount I wanted to make every year, every month, every mm-hmm. year. Um, another really good question everyone should ask themselves is what do I want to spend my time doing on most days? What is the ideal lifestyle? For? I think this is more important than anything else. And this is something they should be teaching and seeing. I agree. That you can create your life to be exactly what you want it to be, if you know what that is. And when I was a kid, my family, we were very, very poor. I had a very difficult childhood. There was a lot of abuse in the house. Uh, I was depressed my entire life until I was about 20, mid-20s, when I figured out how not to be depressed. But I was depressed as a little child as an adolescent and as a teenager and in my early twenties because life was that was all I knew. Mm-hmm. And but I but I did have a little bit of a dream as a kid. And that was to be an entrepreneur to work for myself and to travel the world and to live a life where I traveled months out of the year. Now, what I did I, I knew that's what I wanted as a kid, but I eventually forgot about that dream because I didn't believe it was possible mm-hmm. until my late twenties. I started creating that life for myself. And when I met my husband, Drew, he's the one who said, You can create that life. That's the life I created. And anybody can have that. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I guess I can. Even though I had a real job, you know, that I had to go to five days a week, I didn't know how I was going to create the life for myself, but I did eventually create it. And I've been living it for a very long time now. Um, and it, whatever it is that you want however you want to live you can create that but you first have to know what that yes, is
0: yes definitely and um, do you think while we're looking at you know writing what it is that we are thinking about what it is that we want to be doing is it important to have smaller like to break up that big big picture that big end goal down into smaller things at all or should 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 we keep it as one big one big overview, one big thing.
1: I think the details are important. Yeah, I think you should write down. So, um, so for you, like what, when you think about your ideal lifestyle, are you living it now? Are you working towards it?
0: And do you want to share what that is? I'm not, but I'm trying to stumble how to work towards it and that's why I think I do need to actually do <laughs> review your workshops I ideally I would like to be uh writing and taking photos they're my two loves that I've loved that since I, I was tiny really really quite young and I've always loved doing it and I was always told I couldn't make a living from it and it was a waste of time so I believe that for many many years and it's only just these last few months, where I've finally realised that it might well—I don't think that's the case—and I'm trying to work out how to do something with it because it, I, they make me insanely happy. Writing, taking photos—that's almost me at my happiest. So I'd like to be incorporating that into my day an awful lot more, definitely. And making some money from it would be nice as well, as well of course. <laughs>
1: So when you, so you're, you say you're not living this lifestyle yet.
0: No, I'm trying. But
1: when you, when you, when you imagine it, mm-hmm. what would a typical week or day look like to you? What would you actually be doing? Like, um I would describe a few of your activities
0: sure I would be doing what I've just started doing now and that is taking my dogs for a walk every morning first thing like I literally fall out of bed I am not awake (laughs) and we just go for a walk because it's good for the three of us I've got two dogs and I find it is often when ideas come to me that I hadn't even thought about you know there's just something in that Putting the foot in front of their next foot and walking with them that seems to bring things to me, which, which is quite, I must admit, I'm, I'm surprised by that because I didn't think that was a, you know, I've walked my dogs on and off for years, but now that I'm doing it every day, it seems to be causing some sort of something to change in my brain, in my mind, which is, which is lovely. And um, coming home and then if it's a writing thing to actually sit down and write it, uh, as opposed to going, "I will do that one day," or you know, jotting a sentence down in a notebook and going, "I'll get back to that and actually not ever doing it. Um, and if it's something to do with, you know, taking photos of, uh, there's somewhere just close to me that I love to visit throughout the year because it's it's an easy nature, so it changes, of course, all the time. And I love going down there to see what's changed and, and, you know, to try and take the best image of it that I possibly can right now. Um, so it would be doing those things primarily. It would be actually taking the camera out or sitting down and writing whatever it is that, 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 that I feel needs to be written on this particular day. And what
1: is stopping you from living this lifestyle now?
0: The belief that I have had for so many years that it's not feasible, that it's it's just not going to work. As in, I couldn't do anything with those two two loves to make an income to allow me to do it. That's the only thing. Um, yeah, it's a big thing. However, <laughs> for me, it's a big thing. But it's that's what's that's what's stopping me. What I was what I've been told for years that it's just not possible.
1: So, are you willing to reject that? belief that yes. other
0: people placed on you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I the more I think about it and the more I observe and, and you know talk to other artists and, and, and yourself and whatever, I realize that it's actually not necessarily the case. And in fact it's probably wrong. And I'm 41, but uh you know I think it's never too late.
1: <laughs> oh
0: not absolutely you know most
1: writers, photographers, most everybody Tends to have their success in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I study successful people, and it success. It rarely happens when you're younger, mm. um, because of all the life lessons we learn, and we get more confidence as we get older. Um, so you are like ripe for the picking right now. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah so um well see so this is why surrounding yourself as much as you can as much as you possibly can with successful people who are doing something like you what you're doing helps you yeah because when you're around people that are already doing it or that believe they can do it that's going to rub off on you too um so it's good that you recognize that you have this belief that stops you because in recognizing it, you can say, I reject that thought. And every time you have a thought come into your mind, like, oh, I don't know. You know, there's nothing I can do. I love taking these photos. I'm having so much fun. Oh, but there's, you know, I can't do anything with them. Yeah. Catch yourself and say, I reject that thought. And after a while, those thoughts will start, stop coming because they don't want to be rejected anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's training yourself to reject those thoughts um, that are holding you back. But see, there's nothing stopping you from getting up in the morning and taking your dogs for a walk and allowing these inspired ideas to come to you. And there's nothing that's stopping you from sitting down and writing. So you can live this lifestyle now, you can start it already. You might not have the time that a full-time writer has or a full-time artist has, but you can you can start living that lifestyle now for an hour or two a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely feasible.
1: <laughs> I remember reading uh, one of my favorite b- business books is called "Success Habits" by Jack Canfield, and it's great. It's got these great bite-sized pieces of wisdom in like a ton of chapters. It's a really thick book, um, and one. One chapter in the beginning of the book, it talks about this, like getting started. How do you get started with an idea you have for a business or lifestyle or something you want to do? And he says, lean into it. You don't have to quit your job today and jump right into it. You can lean into it. You start taking action every day, even if it's just for an hour. Mm -hmm. So for me... To write my book, one of the reasons writing my book took me years is because I only wrote about an hour a day because that's all I had time for because I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. I have a business um, that requires me full-time. Running my art business with my husband is a full-time job. And then to try to write books on top of that, really, I have to squeeze in an hour. Sometimes I would squeeze in two hours a day. And every now and again, holy cow, I'd get three hours. In. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I put myself on a schedule where I would write for a minimum of an hour, a minimum of an hour, every single day, even if I didn't feel like it, even if I didn't feel well, even if I was completely uninspired, I would just sit my butt down in the chair and write. Mm. And um, that's how I got that book finished. And it was so hard and it was so much work, but it was so rewarding when it was finished because I get emails literally every day from artists saying, your book has helped me figure out how to sell my work. Your book has given me the confidence to sell my work. Um, My own mother, who she's an artist, but she always worked in a hospital her whole life. Mm -hmm. She never had ever sold any of her work. And she bought my book a year ago and she sent me a text. She lives far away from me. So I'd only get to see her once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. She sent me a text and she said, oh my gosh, Maria, I'm like five chapters in your book. And it's made me realize I could actually sell my art. And (laughs) that was like the happiest day of my life because to
0: help my mom realize that at eighty years old, it's wow! Kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> and you know, just because she's eighty doesn't mean we won't have another twenty years of her. So you know, she could be selling. <laughs> she could be rivaling jewelry sales. It's possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is possible. I mean, it, um, it's so funny though because you know you can you can lean into it whatever it is that you're trying to do. I work with artists. When I say work with, I mean they. You know, we have consulting sessions. There's a few artists that I work with that um, they have full time jobs, and so they have very little time to sell their art. And so one one artist I've encouraged to line up an exhibit six months from now, mm-hmm. and in the next six months, that's the only thing she focuses on with her art is creating art for the exhibit um, creating the, the language for the flyers and the advertisements, just planning it out. That's the only thing I want her to focus on. And, um, the reason behind that is to do it right. You want to put a lot of time into it. You want to put a lot of focus into it and don't try to do too many things at once. Um, if you're hyper focused on one thing, but you have very little time, you just focus on that. Spending one hour, or two hours, or three hours, whatever you can make time
0: for, yeah, manageable chunks. Yeah, yeah, because well, there's too
1: many things we can
0: focus on. You know. <laughs> yes, that's, um, that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> it is. It it absolutely is. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Maria, I know you are pressed for time, so I think we could leave it there. Um, I want to thank you so much again for taking your time uh, for us. Um, I certainly got a lot out of that, and I suspect the listeners will as well. Um, I'd just like to thank them uh, again for taking their time out to listen to us. We would love some feedback. Um, Hit us up on social media or email if that's better for you or even on the forum, the Art Supply Forum. We'd love to know what you think of this episode. I think it's incredibly important what Maria is talking about. And she's right. This stuff should be taught at school. Absolutely. I think it would make life so much easier. It really would. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you again. (laughs) Well,
1: thank you. I really appreciate it. I I loved this whole conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: That's okay. Thank you. So what did you think of that chat? I really hope it got you thinking. And if you want to earn an income from your art, well, I hope that's a kickstart for you. But just one more thing, head to patreon.com forward slash art supply posse so you can help keep this podcast going. Till next time.